So we've been talking about discipleship this past month, just over a month now, and it's been such a good series. It's just one of those good things to to look at in yourself of where am I at in my relationship with the Lord? Because you know we are born again through believing in our heart and confessing confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. But once we have made Jesus the Lord of our, of our life, that's just the beginning of experiencing so much more with what God has for us. And I love like a life with God is a life that's full of adventure, a life that is full of things that you would never thought possible. But in God, that's the life. That's a plan that he has for us. And so it's such an amazing privilege that we have that we get to know God. I'm so thankful that God is a good God. I mean, sometimes I wake up in the morning and, you know, you, you get out of bed and you're just thinking, like, what you have to do for the day. But, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you just think about how good our God is. Because, I mean, God could have been anything, but yet he calls himself, he is the God of love. He is love. And this is the God who we serve. And so as we've been talking about discipleship and in the in Philippians chapter 2, which Kim just read there, talking about have the same mind or the same attitude that was in Jesus, who Jesus did not consider himself to, um, it says, he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Jesus chose to do that for us. He humbled himself even to the point of death, the death on a cross for us so that we could be made just like him. And I find that absolutely amazing that, you know, Paul says to have this same attitude, have this same mind. That means you and I can act like Jesus. We can talk like Jesus. We can sound and do things just like Jesus does. And that's what the two words, there's two different Greek words for disciple. And one of them talks about to learn of. When Jesus says to learn of me, he says take the road that I'm taking. So again, discipleship is so much relationship. It's not just about following these outward signs of I'm going to go here and then I'm going to follow this sign there. And it's not just a bunch of signs. It's actually that relationship with Jesus. So when Jesus says to learn of me, it's to take the same road that he's on, to follow after him. Because, you know, we are his sheep, aren't we? And we are a bunch of good-looking sheep this morning. And, you know, I want to be one of those sheep that follows just, that's so close behind Jesus that if Jesus stops, our nose runs into him because we're just right behind him. We're not some independent sheep out there in some sort of field doing our own thing. I want to be one of those sheep that is just following right behind Jesus, that we're following our good shepherd, taking the same road that he's on because we know that his road is the best road. Other, uh, another word for disciple is also talks about to follow, to imitate, and to mimic, which I talked about the last time um, I spoke talking about how, you know, my brothers would always mimic me or imitate me, and, you know, they'd copy the way that I would sound. They would say the same thing that I would say, and that was the story of my life growing up, being as the only daughter and the only girl amongst four brothers, how they'd always imitate me and make fun of me. But you know what? It's exactly the same thing of what discipleship is, is we want to sound just like Jesus. We want to talk just like Jesus and act just like Jesus. So this morning, we want to talk about, because we're going to finish off this series before the next series starts, but we want to finish off by talking about a disciple is one who has learned to surrender his will to God's will. 
A disciple is one who has learned to surrender his will to God's will. So we're going to talk about why we want to surrender and how willingness is a choice, not a feeling, and that when we surrender to God's will, God will exalt us. So those are the areas that we're going to talk about this morning, and I just felt it on my heart to talk about just some different characters in the Bible, talk about stories about discipleship, because with discipleship, it's not one of those things that can just be like taught as in like, you know, step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, do this. Because I mean, it's, I mean, it's about obeying, but a lot of it, it comes from the heart. And so when you hear these different stories, you'll understand, okay, this discipleship, you're following Jesus. This is a relationship. Not again, not just follow step one, then step two, then step three. Once you've completed all those steps, now you're considered a disciple. It's nothing like that. It is always a journey. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So the key point number one I want to talk about is why we would want to surrender. When I first wrote out these notes, I wrote, why do we have to surrender? And then I realized, I'm like, no, that's not the right way of putting it. It's more of why would we want to? Why do we want to surrender? And uh, Kenneth Hagin, um, who started Rama Bible College in, in, um, in Tulsa, he said this. He said, the reason why the Christian life is blessed is because the lordship of Jesus strips life of its weakness, frailty, and human guidance. It lifts life out of our realm and into the supernatural realm. The reason why the Christian life is blessed is because the lordship of Jesus strips life of its weakness, frailty, and human guidance. It lifts life out of our realm and into the supernatural realm. So why would we want to surrender? Turn with me to Jeremiah 29.11, if you have that, if you have your Bibles with you. You also have it on the screen. And this is God speaking. He says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So this is God's plan. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. You know, in our whole life, right from the get-go, people, you know, when you're in um, coming out of high school, they'll ask you, like, oh, what are you going to do after high school? And then they'll ask you about university. What are you going to do after university? And then, you know, when you're, like, in kindergarten, they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? You're constantly surrounded with these constant questions of, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to be? All these kinds of things. But you know what? God says right from the beginning, I know the plans that I have for you. God is the creator. We did not create ourselves. Are we aware of that? We did not create ourselves. God is the one who created us. And when he created us, he created us with unique gifts, unique talents to be born in a certain country at a certain time, at a specific place, in a certain family. All those things, God knew exactly where you needed to be to fulfill his plan for your life. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for how my parents raised me. I mean, they were always very encouraging, but they always said, Chloe, you can be anything God has called you to be. It was never, Chloe, you can be whatever you want to be. It was always that, no, you can be exactly who God's called you to be. Because it, it takes away that choice of, oh, well, what do I want to do? Because it's not like discipleship. It's not about what you want to do. It's following out who actually has the plan for you. Because if God knows the plans for you, why would you want to follow your own plan? Because we have a very limited knowledge of the future. We hardly know what we're going to have for lunch. 
this, like this afternoon. So we hardly know the plans for the future, but God knows the plans for the future. God sees the end from the beginning. And when he says to take this direction, make this decision, he already knows the outcome of that. You know, because in our own, when we follow our own plans, all we are limited to is our physical senses, our five physical senses, what we can see with our own eyes, what we can taste, smell, our feelings, the way we think, all those things, that's how we live our life. But again, we want to follow the plans that God has for us. And then Isaiah 119, if you'll put that on the screen as well. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. That's for the disciples. The best of the land is for those who choose to be willing and are obedient, and they will eat the best of the land. So again, you will never regret going God's way. And so we've been talking about the life of Peter. So we'll turn to Luke chapter 5 again. And the process that Peter went through to follow Jesus and how it, it wasn't just a quick decision where Jesus said, okay, Peter, come follow me. You don't really know who I am, but this, this will be good. Trust me, it'll work, it'll work out for your benefit. We see how the process of how Peter um, met Jesus and how Jesus healed his mother-in-law, how Jesus blessed his business, how he heard the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And so Peter's beginning to know Jesus personally one-on-one and he goes through this whole, this whole thing. And then in Luke chapter 5, it says, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, that Jesus was standing by the lake, and he saw two boats lying on the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them or washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put it a little way from the land. So again, so Peter has this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus is using his boat and then just a little bit down later, after Jesus finishes his teaching, in verse 4, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep of water, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say, and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them, And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw that, that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And then in verse 10, Jesus says to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Peter had that encounter with Jesus. Jesus had that invitation. And basically, Peter came to the end of himself realizing, okay, if I continue following my plans for my life, I'll be a fisherman. Nothing wrong with that. That's awesome if God calls you to be that. But Jesus gave him that option of saying, come and follow me. And Peter had that choice to, okay, am I going to continue living my life the way that I want to live my life, where I'm depending upon my own efforts, my own self to live this life, or am I going to follow this man who I have seen heal my mother-in-law, who I have heard his teaching, who has impacted my life? Can I trust him? Can I trust him? And Peter left everything left his job, left his family, all those kinds of things to follow him. 
And it, take, it takes that time of building that trust because to, to actually to ultimately to surrender to God, it requires that full trust. And so what Peter was actually do was, was saying, I'm taking my dependency off of myself and I'm putting my trust in Jesus. And then we'll contrast that into the parable or the, um, the story of the rich young ruler. So turn to Mark chapter 10. Remember, a disciple is one who has learned to surrender his will to God's will. So that's exactly what Peter did. He learned to surrender his will, his plan, his preconceived idea to God's plan. And in, this is um, the story of the rich young ruler, Luke chapter 10, and verse 17. And it says, as he, talking about Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, and then in, I think it's in Luke, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And what did he say? Come and follow me. So this man, this rich young ruler, was given the exact same opportunity as Peter. And it says in verse 23, I'm sorry, verse 22, but at these words he was saddened. The rich young ruler was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. So just to get this straight, when it says, this wasn't, Jesus wasn't talking about, okay, if you sell these things, then you'll make it into heaven. Right? We talked about a couple weeks ago how when you choose and you live in discipleship, right, you eat the good of the land. You live a fruitful life. So what this man was rejecting was when you, just t to sell what he had, he was saying that I'm, I'm not going to depend upon myself. I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to sell what I have so that I can live in what God has for me, so I can live a fruitful, a blessed life, the kingdom of God, live in the kingdom of God, that kind of blessing in this life on the earth. Does that make sense? So it's not talking about salvation. It's talking about living in, in, a, in a blessed life in the kingdom of God here on earth. So that's what, that's what he was talking about. So Jesus looked at him, loved him. He said, one thing you lack because this man, he was trusting in himself. He was trusting in his riches and his own possessions. And yet Jesus says to him, sell what you have, because that would hinder him from following God entirely. Because he was so dependent upon his riches. And so when Jesus gives them that option, that opportunity, and say, sell what you have, give to the poor, and then come, follow me. Come and follow me. Sell what you have. Let that stuff go. Let what you think is bringing you life, let that go. And I will show you what a true life, a fulfilled life, a successful life is like. That was the opportunity he was given, the exact same opportunity as Peter. 
But look at this man's response, right? If he just heard those words from Jesus, and he just was like, he went away sorrowful. He basically re- he rejected that opportunity entirely because he wanted what he already had. He wanted the riches. He wanted to be trusting and dependent upon himself on what his own plan was for his life. And then notice a couple of verses down. So the exact same story. Um, and then in verse 28, Peter says, Peter says to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in this present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So I love Peter's actual question there. It's so good because Peter's like, well, you gave me the same opportunity. You asked me to come and follow you and I sold sold everything to do this. What do I get? It's a good question. And I love that, but you know, and if, I just think if this rich young ruler would have just stayed around just a couple more minutes, he would have heard Jesus say that. But he went away sorrowful. But Peter, this is the life, like when you follow God, when you give up what you think is bringing you life, when you just let it go, you let your own self-dependency, self-reliance, those things that you think you need to make it in this life, if you just let it go and trust God and what he's calling you and asking you to do. You know, these are very drastic examples because a lot of it has to do with like, you know, leaving everything and following him. But so often it is the simple thing of, of just, of the Holy Spirit leading you, forgive that person. Walk in love towards that person. Give or tithe. Take that job. Go to this church. Do that. Start serving in church. Be part of the hospitality team. Those kinds of things. And we think that they're just like little, eh, like a little thought that runs past our mind. We don't really do anything with them. But so often, many of those times, it's just that one first leading of take that step. Take that step. Because when you do that, there is always life when you follow God. Always life when you follow him. You know, the thing is, we may think we know what we want, but God is the one who created us, and he's the one who actually knows what we want. So often in my life, I would say, I am never doing this. Like, even now, this job that I just got, um, as as a kid, I never liked camp as a kid, and, uh, I, would, I was always that one who was, like, really homesick, so I'd, like, cry myself to sleep every night and stuff like that. And, um, and I always said that I would never work an office job because I don't like sitting down. And now I'm working at an office in a camp. And, you know, it's just funny because you think you know what you want, but God is the one who knows what you actually want. Because, you know, we are, we're so limited to how we think, how we even think about ourselves, how we think about who we are and what our gifts and our talents are, but God actually knows what your gifts and your talents are. He knows what you are capable of. Because so often we underestimate ourselves. But when you follow God and you follow his leading, he will make you what you ought to be. And that's why we want to surrender. The next thing I want to talk about is how willingness is a choice, not a feeling. When it comes to surrendering, 
That's an act of our will, right? We have to choose to surrender. And so oftentimes, example again with this job, like it's not, it's not one of those things that I would just set out to do like, yes, I really want this. It was more of one that I felt that it was right to take. And because I felt that it was right to take, I didn't ask myself how I felt about it. It was more of like, I'm just going to follow this leading and trust the Lord. And that's also how, I, when I came to Australia the first time as well, I mean, you guys know that story of how I felt called to come to Rayma Bible College here. And I remember my first week of moving from Canada and living in Australia, my first week here, I didn't have a clue anyone who, who anyone was. I didn't know where the nearest grocery store was. I was like, what am I doing here? And, you know, I'd call home every single day and, and just in tears and be like, I want to come home. I want to come home. And, you know, my parents would always encourage me, like, Chloe, stick it out. You know it's God. Follow that. And, you know, it's, it's so true. Like, just because you don't feel like doing something doesn't mean that it's not God leading you to do it, right? Because we're not led by feelings. We're not led by our emotions. We're led by that peace on the inside of us in our hearts because our feelings and emotions may be all over the place. But if you've got peace in your heart, follow that peace and ground yourself in it and refuse to be, refuse to be moved. Because if I think if I would have left, because if that first week that I was here in Australia and I would have left because I was too homesick, man, I would have missed out on so many things that God had for me. But just stick with God. Trust him. He knows the plans that he has for you. And when you trust him, that looks like refusing to ask yourself, refusing to live by your emotions, just saying, Lord, I trust you. I'm just going to stick with it. I know that may not be how I feel like this at the moment, but I know that this will turn out for good because I know when you ask me to do something, there is always life. There is always life when you follow God. And it may not look like it in that very moment, but he's always leading you to life. He always leads from strength to strength. He always leads from glory to glory. He always leads from grace to grace. So you can trust him. You can trust him. You know, there's a story from, from Brother Hagen, and he was, um, and if you turn back to Isaiah 119 on the screen there, um, so Kenneth Hagen, he's, again, he's the one who started Rama in the States. And he's telling this story of, because he was a pastor for a number of years, and then he felt led of the Lord to stop pastoring to go as, out as like a, a tenorant ministry. And so he was obedient, and he did that, but he really wasn't willing. It wasn't something he really wanted to do, so he kind of did it kind of dragging his feet. And he said he was just struggling. He was struggling financially, and he's like, Lord, I'm obedient here. Um, he's like, but I'm not seeing this promise of the good of the land. I'm just seeing struggle. I'm seeing I'm, I'm lacking in this area. My children need food. My children need, need clothing. He's like, I'm obeying you, so what's going on? And God led him to the scripture. He says, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient. Willingness is a choice. And so he said in that moment, he's like, I got willing in a second. He's like, Lord, I just choose to be willing right now. I don't care what I feel like. I choose to be willing. I choose to will. And, you know, and God works in you. He'll help you to be willing. In um, Philippians chapter 2, again, um, I think it's verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. If you are just willing to be willing... He'll help you to be willing. If you just are willing to be willing, he'll help you to be willing. And it, it takes time to learn just to be open. And um, I brought this whiteboard out here. 
as a demonstration. This is our heart, all right? So right now, it's blank. But sometimes, we get these preconceived ideas of, okay, I'm going to take this job, and then I'm going to get, I'm going to marry this person, and then I'm going to um, only go to this, uh, whatever, this, this church. Churches are good. I'm not saying anything like that. But you, you kind of get these, like, preconceived ideas in you, and then you're like, okay, God, I'm open to whatever you want me to do. But yet, these are still very much in your heart. Does that make sense? Like these, you kind of get these preconceived ideas that this is exactly how it's going to be, and I'm, I'm not going to, to change that. But then you say, but God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. But then you still have these things really rooted in you. And so sometimes you have to come to a place where it's just like, okay, Lord, I'm taking away these preconceived ideas. I don't have an eraser, which really would have been helpful right now. Okay, well, imagine that was now white. It's, it's, it's white. Just look at, look at this bottom half. This is now our heart. So sometimes you have to come to a place where you just you let it go. Be willing to be willing. Be willing to be open. So Because when, when you're open, he can start speaking to you, and he'll start saying, okay, yes, a job is right, but take this job. Yes, a job is, uh, this person, like marriage is right, but I have this person in mind for you. Because sometimes we get these preconceived ideas and we refuse to let them go because we think it's going to turn out a certain way. And then when it doesn't turn out a certain way, we get angry. I think, uh, is it Proverbs 19.3, Tiff, on the Amplified? It says, the foolishness of man subverts his way, ruins his affairs, then his heart is resentful and frets against the Lord. Like, we make up our own ideas, our own mind, and then it doesn't always work out the way we expected it to, and then we get angry at God for it. When it's like, no, God's like, no, I, that was never what I had for you. I asked you to do this. I, I led you to do this. So when I say be willing or be willing to be willing, I'm saying be this. Keep your heart. Just keep it open. Keep it open because those preconceived ideas, they can rob you of opportunities and the things that God's calling you to do. Because, you know, sometimes when he just says, like, to, you know, just even, like, serving in church, like, join the hospitality team. And then we'll think in our minds, yeah, but I'm already so busy. I don't have time to do that. Nope, just be open. Be like, Lord, you already know how busy I am, but if you feel that I need to join the hospitality team, then I will do that. And you know, he will always, again, he'll bring you to life. He will always bring you to life, and there's grace for it. Um, if you go to Jonah chapter 4, I know a lot of, um, probably most of us would know the story of Jonah and in Nineveh. Um, but I found this story so funny because, I mean, Jonah, God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, right? And he reluctantly goes the opposite direction. Like if you even look, a, look on a map, right? Nineveh is in one direction and then he goes to Tarshish, which is completely the opposite, opposite place. And God has called Jonah to go to Nineveh, basically to tell them that if they don't repent, right, they will be judged. And yeah, so Jonah goes completely opposite direction. We know the story. There's a huge storm. He's out on this boat. There's a huge storm. Um, and then these, these guys on the boat, they throw him into the water. And then Jonah gets eaten by a big fish, swallowed by a big fish, which is an awesome story. I love that. I'm not sure if it was like a fish, a whale, a mammal. We'll find out eventually at some point. But 
so then he comes out of this whale after, after three days and three nights, which you'd think after the first day and you were follow, swallowed by a fish, you'd think he'd repent quickly. But it took Jonah about three days and three nights to repent. And he comes out, he goes to Nineveh, and he you know, tells Nineveh the message that God gives him. And then Jonah chapter 4, do we have that on there? Nope, okay. Turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4 in the Old Testament. So it says Jonah, so uh, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it greatly displeased Jonah. It displeased Jonah that God did not smite Nineveh, basically. It greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity. He was angry at God for being loving, loving, kind, and compassionate. He was angry about that. He says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. That's a pretty, like a pretty drastic statement. He would rather die because of God being compassionate towards these people. You know, Jonah was obedient. Jonah did what God called him to do, but Jonah was not willing. And you can see his own, he battled in his own self then to the point where he became most likely depressed and even suicidal, like where he just would rather die than live. You know, to have your heart involved with what God's calling you to do is so important. And, you know, verse verse 4 says, The Lord said to Jonah, Do you have a good reason to be angry? Sometimes that's a good question to ask yourself. Do you have a good, good reason to be angry? Oftentimes, more than not. And if you go back to Proverbs 19.3, I just find that so funny because, you know, we get into our own, our own plans, our own will, and then we get angry with God for the things that don't work out. So the thing is, don't be like Jonah. Get your heart involved with what God's calling you to do. Make that choice of being willing to be willing. So just say this after me, Lord, I will to will, and I am open, and I am willing. Amen. Let's turn to uh, Hebrews 13, 21. This is also in the Amplified. It says, uh, now may the God of peace strengthen, complete, perfect, and make you what you ought to be, and equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will while he himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. This is a great scripture to confess over yourself. You know, he will strengthen you. He will complete, perfect. He will make you what you ought to be so that you can do what he's called you to do. But again, it just comes with us being willing to be willing because when our hearts are open, just like this, just a blank, we're just open. Look, Lord, put your desires in me. And, you know, and he, he's faithful to do that. He is always faithful to what he's called you to do. One thing that the Lord just kind of put in my heart recently to start speaking over myself, that my desires are word-based, the word of God-based, and they are kingdom-purposed. And I just start speaking that over myself because I want my desires, I will for my desires to be in line with his desires so that I can follow his plan for my life.
And the last thing I want to talk about is when you surrender to God's will, God will exalt you. When you're living for your own self, you're actually exalting yourself above God. You know, and the ultimate story is that we all know is with Jesus. You know, Jesus in the, is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does he say? He says, not my will, but your will be done. And we'll go back to Philippians chapter 2. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, even the death on a cross. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that that name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. When you humble yourself, God will exalt you. And uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 you know, Jesus said that. He said, Lord, not my will. Not my will, but your will be done. And when Jesus was able to do that, Jesus paid the ultimate price. And he brought, God was able to highly exalt him. So therefore, humble yourself. God won't humble you. Sometimes God, we pray that, God, humble me. No, it says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. He will exalt you at the proper time. And you know what? You, you want God to exalt you. You don't want yourself to exalt yourself. It is exhausting trying to keep yourself exalted. It's like a, it's like a teeter-totter. It's like, you know, if I'm, actually, I'll use this. When God exalts you, it is like a solid block because you're standing here. This is you. God's exalted you. Yay. You're going nowhere. It's, uh, that's a solid foundation. This is like a brick wall or something brick wall. But when you, ex when you try to exalt yourself, it's like a teeter-totter. So it's like a triangle here, and you're here, and then you have to run back over here because you're trying to exalt yourself. You're trying to keep yourself hot. You're trying to keep everything flow, like keep everything together, basically. Like, okay, I'm going to take this job. I'm going to make this much money, and these people are going to see my own efforts. You're running back and forth trying to keep this thing balanced. You like my stickman? But it's absolutely exhaust, exhausting, exhausting trying to keep a teeter-totter straight. But when God exalts you, it is a firm foundation, one that will not fall, because it's his grace that exalted you. And that won't, that won't, nothing can take that away. And that's what God did with Jesus. God gave him the name that is above every name. God exalted him. So the same thing when you choose to be willing, you choose to be obedient, willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. God will exalt you. And I just wanted to finish off with my own story. Is that enough time? I kind of don't see the clock. Um, but in my own, I guess you, many of you guys already know that, you know, I've been, my husband left about three years ago. And lots of you, lots of you guys know the story of how I went through, going through a divorce. But I want to take you to going to prior to it, when I, when I first started this relationship. Because, you know, I, I felt like this would just help people. And I want this to help people. So to be completely open and honest with you guys, um, you know, marriage is godly. Marriage is a good thing. God created marriage. But you know what? We're not robots. We have a will. And for me, 
my, my, this is my heart, was I wanted to get married. And I, I exalted that desire above anything else. And despite a few people telling me, like saying, Chloe, are you sure this is the right thing to do? This is the right thing to get married. Um, I was like, I would, I would say to God, Lord, I'm open. You know, Lord, whoever you want me to marry, tell me. You know, I will, I will follow you. I'll follow you. I'm open. But in my heart, I already had this preconceived idea of what this was going to be. So I would say the right things, but again, God's looking not just for obedience; He's looking for a willingness. And my willingness was not there because I had this preconceived idea of what my life was going to look like. And so in Bible college, um, that was when, like, so because I finished Bible college and we got married. But during that year in Bible college, a few people said to me, Chloe, are you sure this is the right thing to do? And even, like, the pastors of um, Rama that I was at, like Tony, pastors Tony and Patsy, they kind of, they took me aside and they asked me what I was going to do after Bible college. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to go to this church. I'm going to move to Sydney. I'm going to get married. And this is, ha- wh- this is what's going to happen. And at the time, when I looked at them, they just kind of looked at me like, okay. Because, you know, when someone has already their preconceived ideas, you can't really talk anyone out of it. So I wasn't going to listen to them anyways. But so they just, they kind of just let that go and I, I noted their facial expression, though, was, and I just kind of ignored it, though. I was like, nope, this is how it's going to be. God's good. God will make this all work out. It's going to be amazing. And so, and then it's at the end of the year, got married, moved to Sydney. And guys, I struggled so much because I knew that God, like I felt called to the ministry. I felt called to Australia. But when I was in Sydney, like I, it was my own my own plan. It was my own will. I would not let anyone talk me out of it. And I struggled like right away as soon as I was there. Because when I was at Ramo and I was living there and I was in the right place, I followed God to that place and it was blessed. Yeah, it was hard, but there was a grace on it. And when I was in Sydney, man, I struggled. We struggled financially. We struggled in our marriage right away. I always felt so lonely and I just, I couldn't even find a place to serve in the church that we were going to. And just every single day was just a struggle. I had no peace in my heart. And I just, just aching. And I would just cry out to the Lord, kind of like Proverbs 19, 3. Like, you make your own, own way, and then you're like, God, um, hello, I'm following your plan for my life. I thought I was. Um, and I'm struggling. Like, this isn't right. You know, and so this went on for about a year and a half. And as you, some of you guys know, we were taken to court because we couldn't pay our rent you know, because we were struggling financially. And so about two days prior to that court date, because I was totally not telling my parents about this court date because I knew what they would say as soon as I would tell them about this, this financial thing. So I waited and waited. And finally, two days beforehand, I'm like, I called my, my parents. And I said, so um, I'm going to court in two days because we can't pay our rent. Um, do you mind praying for like a miraculous breakthrough that we won't have to go to court? And my dad's like, you know what, Chloe? I can't agree with that. But what I can agree with is for a ministry opportunity for you. And by that time, it was a year and a half, and I was like, there is no ministry opportunity here in Sydney whatsoever. Like, it's not going to happen. So I was just frustrated. All I really wanted was a way to get out of this court date because I was so nervous about it. And my dad, I'm just like, okay, whatever. If you want to pray that, you pray that. And I'm, you know, I'll just say amen. And um, so he prayed for a ministry opportunity. And Literally the next day, I got an email from Pastor Patsy from, um, from Rayma that I was at, and she said, 
Um, Pastors Grant and Linda are moving to the Sunshine Coast to start a church. Your guys' names came, came up in our meeting. Would you be interested? And oh my goodness, you should have seen the joy that was on my face that day. I was home alone, so it's a good thing, because I was like, I looked like just jumping around, praising God. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. God is so faithful. God is so faithful. You know, and so we, we felt that it was the right thing to do, so we moved to the Sunshine Coast. And can I just say, when you are in what God's called you to do, when you are in his will, it is the most amazing thing. I mean, that you will go through hard times. It's not always going to be easy and, you know, sun, sunshine and rainbows and butterflies, but there's a grace for the struggles that you go through. And all of a sudden, where we were once struggling financially, we were now blessed. Where I at once felt so alone, I had, like, people around me. I, also, this church started, like, started to come, and more people started to come, and you have a family. You're in where God's called you to be. And, you know, and that's the thing with discipleship. Like, you know, even if you've, you've missed it a couple of times in your life, God is so faithful to bring you back to where you need to be. He is so faithful to do that. He's faithful. He who has called you is faithful. He will also do it. So we wanted to this morning, if you just want to stand up and we'll play that song, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity as we finish out this series of discipleship. The aim for this was to, to build up that hunger in you to be obedient to what God's called you to be, what God's called you to do. So if there are things right now in your heart, or there's, you know, maybe you have to make some decisions coming up, or if you know you're in a place right now where you're like, God, like, you know, in the same way when Jesus extends an invitation to Peter and says, come and follow me. You know, there may be things in your life right now that you may have to put aside to follow him. You know, you will never regret going God's way. He always leads you to life. He always leads you to abundance. And I'll just restate what Kenneth Hagin said. The reason why the Christian life is blessed is because the lordship of Jesus strips life of its weakness, frailty, and human guidance. It lifts life out of our realm and into the supernatural realm. So I want to give you this invitation this morning to say, Jesus, I choose to be willing. I choose to come and follow you. So no matter where you are, whatever that looks like, I just want to give you that invitation. Everyone just close your eyes right now. And we're going to sing this song and give you an opportunity to take that step. And it's, it's something that you do in your heart. You know, just like this whiteboard, you want to keep that, your heart just open to what he's speaking to you.